My name is William Corliss and this is the Workplace Podcast. Brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation. Your external learning and development partner. Each week we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who will be subject matter experts, who I believe are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life, with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams, and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team, and organization. Welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Our topic today is workplace mediation insights, taking the fear out of dealing with conflict in the workplace. And our guest today is a regular contributor, as our listeners will know, is senior partner, a senior founding partner of the Mediation Foundation of Ireland, Luke Monaghan. Welcome. Good to be here again. I love and particularly to talk about mediation. It is my number one learning topic it is transformative. I just love mediation. Thank you, William. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And we talk quite a bit about mediation because mm-hmm. we have our own mediation training uh, business. And in terms of that, we get a lot of insights from people, whether we're working in the workplace, whether it's on the training course. And that's what we'd like to discuss today as part of today's topic is taking the fear out of that. And, and what we'll do is we'll reframe that as to be more confident in resolution. Isn't that right, Luke? Absolutely. Because I find when I'm doing a mediation and I'm meeting the participants in a mediation, whether it's two people or whether it's groups of people, one of the first things I need to do is to help them to see the opportunity that mediation offers. It is a way to deal and work through really tough issues, but to do it constructively and just to build that rapport and that trust and that atmosphere to think that conflict doesn't have to hijack us or sabotage us. It can actually, if we work through it, allow us to see the new horizon of resolution. And I that's what's so wonderful in the work of mediation. Why I've been doing it for 20 years, but I just, I am so lucky to be involved in working with people through tough stuff like this. I've noticed, you know, that there are some people who might be resistant to mm. mediation. Mm-hmm. They might have a fear about that where it's a yeah. disciplinary process. They believe yeah. they're going into or an a grievance procedure. procedure. So again, in terms of that, like, what would you say to people who have that kind of hesitancy or resistance to bringing Mm. mediation into their own workplace? And the first thing of all is to understand it. I mean, sometimes, uh, because again, one of the key skills of mediation is to listen and to hear. And I think it's really important that I hear and listen to those fears uh, because of, they, it could be if they're a HR person, they're, they're mired in procedure after procedure after procedure or a participant is. So I need to hear that. And then when that's heard, 
then to talk about and maybe demystify what mediation is, that mediation is a very different type of conversation. It's not saying that it's better than or worse than, it's just different. And in many cases, it can offer a different route through where the participants are in charge of the outcome, not some process, not some arbitrator, not some judge that they themselves have actually got autonomy over what's going to happen in mediation. And I think that's where the, the private meeting, where I get to meet with the participants on their own, just to explain that, to understand that, and to really talk through that and hear their perspective on it. That's the beginning, exactly, William, of reframing how mediation is different to those other processes and therefore has something different to offer. And some, you know, people that we work with have highlighted before their understanding of mediation say, oh, I don't want to go down an adversarial route mm -hmm. or I don't want to make something big that it isn't, you know, and not really knowing how mediation, you know, could benefit. So what would you say to people there to kind of go, oh, my God, you got a mediator and things must be yeah. really bad. How yeah. might, you know, they you reframe that for people? And I think, again, it's around the word opportunity, that here is a way where you will get to hear both sides of the issues and to do it in a safe way and to be seen to be doing it in a constructive way, whereas dismay procedures that are necessary, but they can be very adversarial, as you say, whereas mediation is anything but. It is the mediator facilitating a conversation in a safe way, in a confidential way, where you get some uninterrupted time to, hear, to have heard your perspective and to hear the perspective of the other. We often talk about it in our conversation, but breakthrough conversations and the, the, the definition we're working with with that at the moment is, is this, to be able to say and hear what needs to be said and heard. And I think that's such a valuable insight. And it's that ability. What we're doing as a mediator is giving that ability to be able to sit in a room once you've once you've decided, okay, I'll go to the next step in mediation. The private meeting is the first one. Then you can choose or not choose to go to the joint session. And if you go to the joint session, that's where the mediator ensures that those fears that you expressed there, William, have been heard and addressed so they can feel, okay, I'll go to the next step now. But it's a voluntary process. And isn't that such a key too? It's nothing is being forced, nothing is being mandated. And I think all the time we're using the skills of mediation to give people back that sense of their own autonomy in resolving issues. Yeah, so it's involuntary. It's impartial for us as mediators yeah. coming in external. It's a confidential, mm. you know, and it's all these things as well. So mm. we've gained insights as well into the workplace mediation yeah. why it's being a su success yeah. and sometimes it's internally you might have people who have been trained up in mediation skills such as our certified course then yeah and you know we've gathered insights from that so you know you're talking about different companies that we worked with would it be mm. useful for our listeners then to yeah. understand you know those insights yeah, I mean, for, there's a couple, I can just choose a couple now. For example, we worked with Deloitte a while ago yeah. and we had all their key HR people. And we also have done work, as you know, with Lidl and we have did work recently there with a group of principals and deputies. So a lovely range of people. And what was so insightful in those courses, because they're 
their purpose once they understood what mediation was is this can and has because we know the repeat work we have got from those uh, constituencies that they come back again and again because it has transformed the way they hold a lot of their difficult conversations not just their specifically mediation one they realize that this actually reframes how we have performance conversations how we have those conversations that could lead to division and and deepening of conflict, but rather they provide a way for them in their normal interchange to be able to recognize tough issues, but deal with them constructively. As we often say in the the book, we, we know we're in the middle of continually writing the three deals, deal with it early, deal with it directly, deal with it constructively. And I think that's, those insights keep coming back to us. We've applied those skills. It influences all my conversations now. I listen better. I listen actively. I'm able to respect another view without necessarily having to agree with it, but I can respect it. And I don't think, I don't take as much uh, uh, material personally as I used. I can deal with things professionally rather than taking them personally. And this is the feedback we get again and again. This and this, if we heard somebody recently who said, Luke, and, and when I tried this on my teenage daughter last night uh, uh, because she was being really having a tantrum. And, and we just, rather than get into and buy into her bickering and tantrum, we just listened and stayed quiet. And within four minutes, and this is a real story, I think we all want to buy the, the formula for this. She came back and she apologized for her tantrum. I mean, the parents couldn't wait to come back on the course the next day and tell us all about it. Anyway, but it's those sorts of experiences that people have in a much more profound setting when people are going through a conflict. I think of two people working in a very high octane workplace and who just came and said, okay, I'll try this mediation. I'll just do the private meetings. Look, I'm not agreeing to anything else. And what was transformative again, as all mediators will do and the skills you get is it was listening and summarizing, hearing and respecting and making sure not to avoid, but respecting it. And the person felt heard. You cannot, we know that in our mediations, you cannot say enough how important that real respectful listening and you demonstrate that you have heard. That's, it's, it's absolutely transformative and it has been for those and they both then having had that experience because they get that trust in you as the person who's the mediator, they can say, okay, I can trust my conflict to this person. That's what you're doing as mediator. You are providing that competence and confidence that someone can say, okay, I'm ready to go to the next stage now. And both of them, and that already is half the work done. They're now in the room together, feeling uh, less fearful. They're, they, they have tension, of course, but they have now trust in the process and in the person to, to take them through. So it really is looking at mediation in a way that's it's a it's a facilitative and a communication process yeah. rather than something that's adversarial and legalistic right. and that yeah. grievous thing because it is that fear of oh no this is really serious now if we're getting the mediator in yeah so it is about really understanding that mm. as you mentioned that process of mediation yeah. so. You, you mentioned private meetings there, and mm. if it's okay with you, Luke, we might, might talk about the process then. So what are the mm. different stages of mediation then for our listeners? 
Christmas. Yeah, there's the one what we use on the program is the classic mediation process. And it starts with that private meeting, because, again, you want to ensure the autonomy and the voluntary nature of it. And in that private meeting, and if it's a group of people, I'll meet each of them individually or whatever. But if it's an individual, I'm saying here I am, here's my credentials to be here, here's what mediation is about. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your perspective. Uh, I also, once I hear the perspective and hear what has them here and hear their issues, and, and it's not about avoiding them or it's not about sugarcoating them, it's about really, really hearing it, however raw it might be. And sometimes there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of trauma, uh, there's really complex stuff. So it's, don't avoid any of that, really hear it. And once they've heard, then I might ask them the question, what do you think the other participant might be uh, going on for them what's going on there to get that perspective then i'll also ask them to think about ways through only only after i've really heard them i'll ask them the question what do you think can you even begin to imagine a way forward that might work for you both because what mediation is doing is trying to understand the past and the present but it's trying to reshape the future mediation is really interested in the future Mediation is not just about only hearing what's been going on. That's really important, but only as a platform to the future. And then when they come together, the next stage then, William, is when they brought together, they've signed a, an agreement. If it's in a formal mediation, it's, a, it's, it's they, they sign a very simple agreement to say, I'm happy to go forward to the joint session. Then they come together. You introduce her as the mediator. You settle them in. You, over, you, you, you provide some of the guidelines. You know, this is confidential. This is safe. We want you to say what needs to be said. But we also want you to do it in a way that's not abusive to the other, but needs, but nonetheless, that you're free to say what really needs to be said, whatever role that is, but in a way that is not abusive to the other. So you're watching those guidelines and you're giving each of them uninterrupted time. Then they go into the perspective sharing stage, which is the longest phase. Some people call it the storytelling phase, where they just give their views. And as the facilitator, as the mediator, I'm there to ensure that what they have said is heard. So I will summarize it back to make sure we've caught it right. So the other person is hearing that. That's really crucial, isn't it, in a mediation that the other person is hearing. Yeah. And that goes over and back 20, 30 minutes. You know, that's I find is. And, and, and that's so crucial because then you begin to see insights landing for both of them. You know, I had a principal and a deputy and they, they, they hadn't been talking for four months and, you know, did all the private meeting, the introduction. But in this perspective sharing storytelling phase, you could just begin to see that each of them little light bulb moments going off when the principal said, but sure, I didn't mean that at all. I was trying to help you out. And then the deputy principal saying, oh, that makes such a difference to hear that, but it's been so difficult to work with you. And in and out of that's still tough. It's not, it doesn't, it's not magic. It's a process, but you can just see that people are hearing because we're providing an atmosphere that is safe, that is well-managed, and so that they can actually say in their head and say, oh, that's, oh, I, this is a misunderstanding. Had I known that? And you begin to see what we call these gestures, these little green shoots of, mm. oh, no, I'm sorry, I should, I, I, I probably overreacted there or I could have done something different. And that really does happen. Nine, eight or nine times out of 10, you will get these changed uh, moments of insight and you'll say, see things there. That's when you know you're ready to move on to the fourth stage. Mm. You know, that's that one. And you do it so well on the training course, William, that reframing phase. 
you know, maybe you might like to talk about that for a second, because I think that's such a vital phase then. Yeah, I think it's it's about looking at things from a different perspective, you know, and we all see things from a different perspective, you know, and the easiest way, you know, you think about reframing is, is behind every complaint, there is a hidden need or a hidden desire. So, for example, you know, that person is ignoring me. But we might reframe that as saying to say it's important for you to be heard by the other person. Mm-hmm. What is it that needs to be heard? Mm-hmm. So when we reframe there, it's really about making sure your needs are addressed. And this is the whole thing about mediation then is be able to figure out what are your individual needs and what are your shared needs and shared interests so we can move on from this in mm-hmm. a very productive manner without that into our residue that that conflict can sometimes mm. leave behind if conflict mm. is addressed there because mm. this is what really gets into the toxicity of workplace isn't it luke where yeah. you know if conflict isn't handled right yeah exactly in, in terms yeah. of the relationship and it's all about relationships like mm. uh, we've quite a good relationship that's because mm. we're quite good at that emotional intelligence, really understanding mm. our feelings, mm. understanding our drivers, you know, yeah. where it comes from, yeah. you know, and that's not always the case for people is, is mm. that when you're stuck in conflict, it's very hard to be reflective mm. or mm. to have that uh, insight into what the other person might be thinking or their Thank perspective. And that's the yeah. importance of reframing then mm. is to understand what is their need? What is their yeah. interest? Because that is what's generating the conflict. Absolutely. And then once they get yeah. yeah, and once they get that opportunity to have a, a, a time to understand where the other person is coming from, as you're saying, that when we in that fourth stage to do that reframing for the issues we're going to now look at for the future. This is the lovely moment in the mediation where they now are able are asked the question now, how would you now state the issues that you now want to look at going forward? It's utterly reframed because they are being now through the filter of that perspective sharing of that mutual understanding. So they tend to frame the issues very differently than they did at the start. So for example, that principal deputy, they shape the issues uh, as communication, shared decision-making and, and, and involvement and inclusion. Whereas before it, when I met them in the private meeting, they, they've shaped the issues as I want that person gone. I can't work with that person again. That person doesn't respect me. So a very different but authentic uh, and credible framing of the issues that we now want to look at going forward. So now the focus is the future, having understood the past and the present and really got that understanding constructively through. We're now looking at into the future. Okay, those are the three issues you want to work at for the future, for your working relationship to go uh, much more constructively. Then we'll ask you, come up with some solutions and they're the ones suggesting the solutions. Isn't that great? Much more important that they're proposing potential solutions than me as the mediator. Because again, that empowerment to use that word, that it is about the opportunity for them to suggest solutions because they're much more likely to last if it comes from them than if I suggest. No matter how many ideas going on in my head, I, I what we call on the course, we say, we turn off the fix-it brain. They're in charge of the problem. We're in charge of the process. 
the process tells us and what works really, really well is that we stay with them as they say, well, maybe, maybe, John, if we meet every Tuesday morning at nine o'clock, what do you think about that, John? Well, and then then I go to John and say, well, what would you suggest? Well, John then suggests, well, Mary, why don't we put this agenda together? And so you just have this lovely moment of them beginning to co-create in a real and credible way, having gone through the double ditch of toughness that that, that perspective sharing is, because this is not sitting around a campfire singing Kumbaya for sure. This is tough stuff. That's why they need that those skills as mediator to take them through it credibly. And then they begin to get the solutions. Then they come to the final stage, which is here's what we've actually agreed to. And we as a mediator just make sure that those agreements are really smart. They're really specific and measurable and attainable, all those, all that good stuff, so that they have every chance of success. And then usually I ask them to reflect on what was that like? You know, and again, they always say, and this, this is about insights today in the workplace, I never thought it could be like, I never thought we could work through these issues. I've heard that again and again and again. That's why mediation is such a delight, because it provides that real opportunity. And what about those possibilities then, you know, you know, because on the course then we've seen a huge amount of possibilities for mm-hmm. people to mm-hmm. utilize mediation and really embrace it. I think that's the whole reason behind this uh, podcast is for people to embrace mediation, whether it be through yeah. uh, the Mediation Foundation or other places really is yes. that we know this process works. So yeah. what are the possibilities then for people? Yeah, and there's so many. And I think in the workplace where I would do a lot and you would do a lot of mediations, it's in how it transforms how conversations that are important happen. The mediation skills like listening and summarizing and respect and empowering and, and, and people taking their own autonomy for their own issues and working through, they just influence all the conversations. I use, and I know you do as well, all of these mediation skills in all our other types of training, whether it's negotiation training or performance management or people leader development, it comes often comes down to the word you use earlier on, William, relationships. How can we really maximize the potential of the relationships where people can see each other as they actually are, respect each other as they actually are, manage the differences, the healthy conflict that we need to have. We do so so much work on developing high-performing teams where we want them to be able to have really challenging conversations about different perspectives in a healthy way. I see it different to you. You know, but that's okay. I, that means I, it's not that I, I have to dislike you just because I see it differently to you, is that I actually appreciate that you bring it a, a different perspective and that you offer a different way of looking at stuff. And that's a challenge to me, but it's a healthy challenge to me rather than how dare you disagree with me? You're just taking it out on me because you don't like me. So it's all of that stuff that can be transformed. So we often do things like mediation style skills for managers, so that people just have those basic skills to influence how they are with people. And there is many benefits then to mediation, especially those mediation skills. And it does, it is, it does highlight, you know, what are your own triggers? What's your relationship with conflict? Yeah. Because mm. if you have a poor relationship with conflict and not a healthy one, mm. obviously then this is where we're stuck into that 
avoidance yeah. cycle, which just leads to more problems further off down the line. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why one of the one of the tools we use on the course is the Thomas Kilman conflict indicator, because there are many types of conflict and self-awareness. We are going to say so so many people have a conflict avoidance strategy as their go-to, because we don't want to have a fight we don't have to. And there's benefits to that. But the problem is that we always avoid, and that's the, the danger. So we have to make sure we're comfortable with the different styles, with the compromising style or the collaboration style or oh, so helpful and it's that self-awareness we build on the program i think that is so helpful because people that's why we ask the people just do a bit of a journal all the way through and it's fascinating i was just reading some this morning from the recent course to see where they were on day one and where they were on day six it's just lovely to see the growth the development here's what i picked up today i never thought i could manage that i could see it differently now that's the piece so that people have that growth and self-awareness because we know that in terms of development in your organization in the workplace the emotional intelligence skills are the ones that are going to take you further your wonderful operational abilities your wonderful technical uh, uh, abilities will be so essential the pieces that will take you different when you're working with teams when you're presenting in different groups when you're influencing uh, um, decision makers they're all your emotional intelligence skills. They're all linked to that Venn diagram with mediation skills. How can I manage these tough conversations? It's just so valuable in so many ways. And it has been really insightful for us to see how this is transferable for people, these skills here. So we've had Gardee, barristers, high court judges, and a lot of people think, well, it's legalistic there. And in fact, we've had people who are working with um you know uh, ngos you know uh, in yeah. in africa the red cross we had hr yeah. people right. social workers we had accountants fishermen yeah. people from the community so yeah. many people people and isn't it lovely william when they're on the course how they network with each other and how they say that is just so, so refreshing to hear all those different perspectives because one of the things and it's just one of the sessions you lead is where they look at how can they build their profile now what will you do with these mediation skills when you return because we have people who are also interested in pivoting their career you know and and and, and looking at different ways with their experience and offering it's a very interesting group to work with and they draw so much from everybody in the room and and it's been fabulous over the last uh, over a year now where we've had this all online where it's really worked amazingly well and it's not just us saying that because we have these testimonials uh, coming in which is fabulous how wonderfully they become the center of learnings for each other you know that's what they said it you know our job is to set up the the rapport and the and the and the environment but they're learning from each other with each other they are giving feedback to each other and they're trusting each other and seeking feedback out in those groups and they've stayed together and we know that they, they meet every so often since uh, that and it's just really great really great and that the whole community that we're building up through MFI is really helping with that I think it's a nice yeah. source for people to go back to and get some ideas hmm. and I think that's what we both derive a lot of satisfaction from when yes. we do the training is that it's not just the professional journey that you're on and how you can see this benefits in the workplaces a mm. lot of people are seeing their own relationships yeah. really flourish yeah. because of this new insight new understanding mm -hmm. and this new skill of reframing people are kind of going yeah. oh my william 
how did you just reframe that? And I'm, you know, obviously I, I, I often say it's a bit like a Sudoku puzzle. Once you understand the workings yeah. of this, then you're exactly. able to reframe every difficult conversation then. And while conflict is still difficult, even for yourself and myself, mm. Yes. It takes the intensity out of it, doesn't yeah. it? You know, the emotions yeah. aren't that intense. That's you know, right. so again, in terms of that, that we're able to stay with the process then, mm. you know, at this point we have a, a mediator or someone to guide us through that process. Like we mm. often, I suppose, sometimes phrase it as a, we facilitate that conversation to happen. Yeah. I think that's really important, isn't it, Luke? Yeah. And it's, and it's just having those range of people available that we can call on because we're lucky on the program as well to have Judy Coyne, who does family and separating couples. And we have Baven, who's very interested in restorative justice. Uh, you know, we just have a, 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 a wealth of experience to draw on so that people can see, ah, that's how I can apply it. That's how I could use it in this setting. And I think having those conversations so that people go away, not, okay, I've got a nice certification. It's lovely. I, I, the International Mediation, the Mediation Institute of Ireland, that's great to have. But I also have a network of people that I know I can return to. I'm still in touch with people I did this program with 10, 15 years ago. And, and, and that's the value. It's creating that community of people to, 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 to advocate for the constructive potential of mediation in the workplace, in the family, in, uh, in, in elder mediation, in commercial mediation, all of those environments that we move and, and work in to show that, yeah, it really has something to offer. It doesn't uh, mean that the other options aren't there. It's just, I think what's happening is the other options like legal options are in now in their right place, that we have other options as well. We're, and that's why we're so glad when we have the legal personnel on our course, as well as HR people, as well as psychotherapeutic people, as well as social people, they're all saying that and finding that out for themselves. That's where I can fit. I, I have other options as well as. And I think that's it. So this is not instead of, it's in addition to. And we've had some people who were uh, high court judges, or when yes. we talk about that later on, yeah. or CEOs who've actually gone through the process, yes. really understand yes. the value of mediation yeah. uh, and all that, that its benefits. And mm. then sometimes they've contacted us or contacted our community then yeah. to you know, mediate in a workplace dispute right. without yeah. seeing good results, you know, and mm. even though we cannot guarantee a result, but I think it's mm. the, the statistics yeah. go, it's four to five mediations that's are right. successful. Yeah, you know, which so is, that's yeah. quite high. Absolutely, it's amazing. And the other thing we often say to people who were looking at mediation in a context of a portfolio of services for themselves going forward is that it links so well with coaching, links so well with facilitation. You know, I would do a lot of facilitation as well. And that's a slightly different set of guidelines, but use very similar skills. So in facilitation, perhaps I am able to make more suggestions or recommendations, but it's very clear. So when I'm facilitating, I make it clear when I'm doing that. But it just shows that the link, so it's not utterly standalone, it draws on all those other skills of coaching, facilitation, all of those things. And again, the, 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 the legal backgrounds can be really helpful in certain commercial mediations that I've done. It's really helpful to have that and so that the legal people see their place as a really positive, constructive uh, and essential uh, dimension 
to to a, in a commercial setting the same also in a separating couples setting you know the the final agreement coming to there would need to be passed through the the the, the eye of a solicitor so i think the connections are being more constructively drawn between all of these approaches and that's why we're so glad that we have such a mix of people coming onto the program now uh, that really demonstrates the effectiveness of that linkage across approaches yeah, and that brings me then to, I suppose, insights, so surprising insights from people. You would think people would be highly educated on mediation. Mm. So we'll go back to the high court judge yes, then. Yes, yes. Right, yes. and their insights. So it, like, Because we're talking about taking the fear out of uh, conflict for maybe HR managers or, you know, senior people who are mm. in conflict in the organization. So again, in terms of that, could you tell me that, tell us that little story or listeners would love to hear that one? Absolutely. Well, there were just, it was on an occasion, it could be with two uh, high court judges did the course and they just really wanted to get a deeper insight into it because they believed in the principle of it and they were advocating it for it from their bench. But in this course, it was just wonderful. I, I loved their humility, first of all. I, I have to call it their humility in doing the course because when others heard, there's two high court judges, by the way, on the course, they, they, they practically fainted in front of me, one or two people, at the thought of they're going to be on. And it was not the case. They were hilarious and engaged, but most of all, humble in sharing their views uh, because they could certainly teach me a thing or two and did. But it was their insight as they went through the course and did all the practice, all of that. Just, we didn't. We understood the principle. We didn't really get the meaning and the, the impact, you know. And they were talking about impact statements and being heard, and they could make that connection to the importance in the mediation uh, uh, process of everybody being able to say and hear what needs to be said and heard. And I think that really landed for them. So they just went off as just two great advocates for the program and with any other profession, isn't it wonderful that that's the case? People would come with, with maybe some preconceived notions, but then it was the humility to say, okay, things are different, I'm seeing it different, which is very much the mediation process. People come in with their conflict, utterly convicted in their stance, probably highly supported by people around them. And yet one of the things that the, that the mediation allows for is to, okay, to allow that perspective be looked at differently, reframed, to be seeing it differently. Okay, maybe I didn't see it fully. Maybe there is another way to look at this in their head. And they begin to realize, ah, I maybe could have done things a bit differently had I had the chance again. So the same too, it's just that openness, that self-awareness piece we keep coming back to. It's so crucial in that working with other people, isn't it? that self of what's going on for me, as you said earlier on, that knowing what my triggers are and just taking that pause before I give in to that reaction, but make it transform that reaction into a response by just taking that little bit of time to say, now, where am I in this? And could I respond in a more constructive way? outside of the mediation process or if you're not familiar with it then when you're in a high state of conflict then you're in a stuck or fixed position you know yes. and that's where that amygdala hijack comes yes. on from that neuroscience point of view yes and what we do is we create that safe space mm. for listening to happen and i think that's most important is because a lot of people stuck in conflict is you're not listening to me well you're not listening to me yeah. where we actually facilitate that conversation we set it up to start to say listen when we summarize that we say listen have i understood you correctly absolutely um, and we just 
do that in terms of that active listing, which I think is fantastic mm. um, as part of that. And I think I think what's what's really good then is when we start listening to each other's perspective, then that's when movement starts happening, as you were saying there. Yeah. And this is what's wonderful then when we run the training course then is not only are we imparting our insights and mm. our skills so you can uh, have those is we're actually learning all the time from others, which is brilliant. If you're a lifelong learner like we are, yeah. we are like, oh, this is brilliant. Tell us more. Yeah. yeah, I totally. I just love the questioning that goes on and the, what do you do about this, Luke? And I've tried this and I'm not too sure what you're saying there would work for us. And I just love that. I mean, I, and I think because we, we generate that atmosphere where that's where we encourage that and welcome that. Because I often say at the start of the course that it's going to feel a bit clunky because you're 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 grappling with some new skills, skills that you have in one way, but you're now going to reframe them. You're going to use them in a different way. And that'll feel a little bit clunky for a while. But uh, but usually uh, we sort of joke about it, but it's sort of true. But day three, four, you can just see light bulbs going off. Things are landing. It's like you've been learning to drive the car and now you've got your now you've got a good lot down the way and it's beginning to come more naturally in second nature. But it's the same for us as we say that we are, we're aiming to give you the skills, but it's a process that we continue to learn because we create learning, um, sharing and learning groups, peer supervision so that people have that backup so that because I'm in peer supervision, you're in supervision peer supervision, we're in groups where we just talk about our mediations confidentially so that we can get other perspectives. Did you think about this and what that'd be like? It's it's because we're all about making sure we are our best selves when we're mediating. So if somebody is trusting their conflict to, to, to me, that I need them to know I'm going to be my best self as a mediator for them, that I'm not just doing the same thing multiplied by 30 years, that what they're getting now is the best version of me as a mediator in this moment. So I think that's what we try to model as best we can, which means we don't have all the answers. And isn't that great? That it's 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 much more an art than it is a science. And I think that's that's a tremendous part for me. That that's why I enjoy of all the trainings I do, the mediation training is number one for me. And this is where, you know, we have so much practice built in then is part of the course design and this is where it's a bit like learning to drive yeah the more you do it the more confidence you do it and it's it's we prepare you then for the challenges that you might overcome you know so again in terms of that driving analogy then like you drive very differently on a sunny day to when it's a snowy day. Good. You know, (laughs) isn't that what we're preparing people for is to be adaptive, to be in the moment we show you the science behind it, and we have a huge wealth of education behind both of us. Yes, yes. Um, there and again, we've has so many different culture perspective uh, and job insights that we talked about before. Whether it was, mm-hmm. you know, the Red Cross or UN mm-hmm. or, you know, um, all the the various different um, professions that we named, but also people who are restarting their career. Kickstarting, a lot of people in the pandemic are are doing that now. And then we have people from different countries like Lebanon, Singapore, Belgium, 
Senegal, Ghana, Spain, Japan, Canada, UK. Have I missed any there, Luke? I, I, I'm loving to get to visit all these countries rather than just have them coming to us. But it's been wonderful, hasn't it? Because the, yeah. the Zoom has opened that up. The, the 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 two accreditations we have, the international one as well as the NAT, have opened that up, which is tremendous. And what they add to the program. I mean, I'm thinking of Shireen from Zimbabwe. Um, just so so many Barima from the 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 Cote d'Azur. Just all from there. They, they just bring something different and ask us new questions. And that because that's the world we're now in, particularly in the workplace, particularly in larger organizations. It is a normative that we're going to have many, many cultures uh, in the tapestry of the workplace now. And I think that is has been really essential as we listen to and learn from other cultures and they hopefully learn uh, a few things from us as well. So I think that and again, we see that in the evaluations, don't we, William? Again and again, they say it was in the practice I learned most. It was in the doing that I learned most. Every, every time when I look at the evaluation sheets, that's what they keep telling us. So that's why we really work through that process to make that so engaging and so interactive and great fun. I mean, I, I, I don't think I laugh as much as I do anywhere else as I do in the mediation course, because again, at the connections that's built, it's great fun as well, which is really good for all of us. And, and and then going back to, you know, people who might be resistant to mediation and they go, OK, well, how is that going to work? Because it's usually done face to face is we provide people with insights in terms of best practice and how to do that through the likes of Zoom yeah. or be it Teams or whatever your organization uses that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we're fully confident to do this online because, you know, we've been, uh, I suppose, very instrumental in be- best practice. Absolutely. And I think that's because we have both had now quite a lot of experience in doing online mediations uh, and, and seeing it. And I've worked done it with bigger groups and smaller groups and two individuals that that the protocols around uh, any of the platforms really can allow uh, when an in-person is not possible and online to be a really effective forum for the same things to happen, for the person to be heard, for both people's perspective to be respected for ways to to get new insights to work through and then to develop a a future plan that can be really practical to make whether it's the working relationship or whatever the context is really work for them that they can at least live with if not more it's great and you know so if there is a senior leader or a hr leader you know who is maybe still resistant Mm. Are kind of mm. fearful of bringing on a, a mediation person or mediation, you know, practice to the organization. Then, what might you say to them? Because how do we, how do we, you know? And there's something I want to talk about as well is that whole confidentiality piece. They might be still fearful mm. uh, of right. that. So, can you before we go into that that piece about you know if people are still resistant. In terms of confidentiality, then, you know, it's really important for us to talk about that, to say, listen, once we have an agreement here, yeah, what do we tell others? Who needs to know what? Exactly. You know, so, again, there's different types of agreements there. Do you want to? Yeah, I think it's really important because people are rightly concerned, but where does all this go? And and it's one of the things we talk about that once you start in that private meeting, you're totally in charge of your information. You say what you want to say and don't say what you don't want to say. And nothing goes from either the private meeting or the joint session without the express permission of the participants. 
Uh, and I think apart from the obvious legal requirements of child safety and 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 significant uh, criminal activity, apart from that, that everything is confidential and it stays there. They're in control of their information. So, for example, when as, as you were saying, when they come to their agreement and they've agreed to five things, one of the things we'll always ask them is media, who needs to know this? And it's up to you. Do you just want people to know that there was an agreement? what we call a memorandum of understanding, and that's that's all that's there. Do you want it more specifically laid out? Do you want someone to see that it's utterly up to them? And that's, again, part of that autonomy piece, that once people know that that, that is actually the case, it's so freeing and allows all sorts of options be explored and then to land on what's going to work for them and be sustained for them. We might say it might be useful to have a review if that's of use to them or not. So that we're always helping them towards a sustained agreement. And I think there's another fear that people have is, will this be on my HR record or will it affect my career or my standing within the organization? So how might you reassure people, you know, about that? That's a good, good, good question because it's and often asked, particularly in a workplace setting. And again, if I'm being engaged by a HR or a, or a CEO or whatever, I would say that happy to do it, but just need you to know that each of the participants as well as myself have the full autonomy to leave the process at any time without any blame or without needing to give a reason. And it's a, so it's really important that that they that participants know that as well as whoever has engaged me and me and myself as the mediator. So if somebody says after the private meeting, don't I just can't go any further. I said, that's perfectly fine. All I'll be reporting back to the HR person is mediation was tried and it's not appropriate in this case. I won't be saying who said what, but so often I find that once people know that they can say no, they often say yes. Just it's easily 19 out of 20 times that people, once they know that that is a real choice, and it's the same when they're in the joint session, we'll offer them things like a timeout. You know, if at any stage you feel that I just need to have a check in with the mediator, we will give the same time to both of them individually so that that equality, that impartiality you talked about earlier is maintained. But it just gives all, all those sort of. Uh, um, um, outlets that people might need if, if a process is, is is getting really challenging. There's lots of options, lots of creativity that keep within the principles of mediation in order to support each of the participants. And when it comes then to, say, workplace mediation, then I think some senior HR people or some CEOs might think, you know, well, this mediation process could be abused or it could be used as a tool mm-hmm. against me, we say in the Workplace Relations Commission or whatever. What might you say to people then to reassure people about that? And again, it's it's there's a, there's a lot of come with the experience of being a mediator, but knowing that some situations are not appropriate for mediation. You know, it might be a, a serial bullying situation, for example, is often one that probably may not be best suited. So as the mediator in the private meetings, you are assessing and as the participant is whether this appropriate. So I'm certainly not going to put people through a joint process if I think there is no uh, prospect or that it, it might be manipulated for another purpose or a, as a fishing expedition. So all of that, and at any time, the mediator as the professional in mediation in the process is alert to that. 
and we'll call that out during. So again, that's a further uh, uh, protection. So it's really important that any process like disciplinary process or grievance process are all open to manipulation. So like all of those, we ensure that we have as many protections as are possible. And our experience is, I think that's what's really important, is that uh, they're not abused because the mediator is professional and knows when an issue isn't appropriate or the participants do. So I think that piece where people can feel really confident, it's confidential, it's impartial, it's, it's all a voluntary process. It is something that they're empowered to take control and autonomy over their future. There are huge benefits, huge benefits. And the more people lean into it and experience it, whether it's in a particular situation or whether it's even just the approach of mediation across a whole lot of other settings makes a big difference. Yeah, and we cover a lot of these aspects then within the course, whether it is, you know, uh, bullying, you know, we talk about ethics, we talk about the mediation act. So these are all, I suppose, key elements of the course. So we're coming to the Mm -hmm. end of our time here today. And Luke, thank you so much for that. All right. So great to be with you. Yeah, it is great. So it's really about us um, and being really confident that mediation works people yeah. and it's about listening yeah. to this podcast as I said listen hopefully we have addressed some of your common concerns or fears about engaging mm. in the process mm. and it really mm. is about if people if people want to they can contact us because we talk about mm-hmm. um, not just the mediation course that we do we do a, a mediation skills you know we do advanced mm. communications cross-cultural communications if you have you know, working on a global scale. So there's many different offerings that we have. Yeah, I think also the people management area, that's just huge at the moment. So many organizations are asking us to work with that. At the moment, as you know, we're in the middle of working with Sport Ireland on that. And there's just so many opportunities, which has been really enjoyable. But in summary, because mediation does three things, it saves time, it saves money, and it saves relationships. That's why we advocate for yeah, it. And it's all that talent retention as well, you know, because yeah. there is, a, I suppose, a war in talent at the moment. All right. Mm. So it's really important mm. that we, I suppose, we we work through uh, conflict, not around it. When we talk to that podcast, yes. we did on Breakthrough Conversations. So if people want to get in contact with us, we have our yeah. uh, webpage, which is www.mfi.ie. You can see our offerings. You can see our, our testimonials, yeah. our podcasts. Our, More importantly. Yeah, yeah, all the lovely things people say about yeah. us. Yes, indeed. Even you, I can't understand it, but they keep saying nice things about you. And, you know, occasionally I get the odd word in sideways, but that's apparently okay. Apparently so, Luke, apparently <laughs> so. So and we have, in fairness, we have good fun actually, you know, delivering the course there. Oh, so, great. you know, yeah. uh, and we've, we've tailored that course there. So I want to thank you for your time today, Luke. I want to thank our listeners for joining Pleasure. in. Okay. And yes. do feel free to contact us about any conflict concerns you may have in the workplace that's it for today thank you that's it for this episode of the workplace podcast my special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion if you want to get in contact with a podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing contact me via twitter at different paths you can also connect with me on linkedin william corless c-o-r-l-e-s-s or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie. Yellowwood, 
your external learning and development partner. Provide your executive coaching, facilitation, and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team, and organization.